And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on September 1st, a date when nothing ever happens in the NBA. You can go to the beach, you can have a beer, you can enjoy the last vestiges of summer before Labor Day weekend, but not today, damn it. Woj broke the news, the Cleveland Cavaliers when nobody was looking, ran into the ring and jumped off the top rope to acquire Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz for Colin Sexton, Lowry Markkinen, the kid they just drafted, three unprotected first-round picks, two unprotected swaps. All of this happened. All of this top rope action happened when the Knicks were distracted by a nefarious manager at ringside. Oh my God, they let Donovan Mitchell slip through their fingers. What does this mean for the Knicks? What does it mean for the Lakers? Who had a chance to perhaps act as a third team facilitator in any Donovan Mitchell deal by offloading Russell Westbrook and getting some stuff back. Oh my God, did the Knicks really not offer three unprotected first round picks? We'll see about that. Bobby Marks! What is going on? Oh my goodness gracious. All I know is I was on the road and I I always bring my computer with me when I travel, but I figured September 1st, I'm just going to my son's swim meet. Who needs a laptop at a swim meet? And sure enough, right off the exit at 3.53, Bon Temps texts me, goes, wow. And I said, wow, about what? And then I checked Twitter and there it is. Goodness gracious, September. I would say, well, great. Well, now we can all go on vacation, but training camp starts in three in three weeks. So vacation is almost over. And here we go. Donovan Mitchell is now a Cleveland Cavalier. Perfectly timed, however, for the end of my vacation, although I am severely jet-lagged. We are soldiering on, Bobby Marks, because that's what we do. We survive and advance. So let's start with the Cavs and the Jazz. We'll leave the Knicks. Just aside for 10 minutes, I know everyone wants to talk about the Knicks. Everybody likes to clown the Knicks at all times. They're the kings of the East in terms of clowning everything they do, and in this case, do not do. And I think there is something maybe to clown here at least a little bit. But let's talk about the Cavs and uh, the Jazz. Utah gets the three unprotected picks they want and the two unprotected swaps, picks that are going out till 2029 if the world is not underwater by then. That's a long way from now. Um, they get those picks not from a team with a recent prolonged history of incompetence like the Knicks or a team in some sort of disarray like the Hornets, but a team who adds Donovan Mitchell to a three-man core of Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Jarrett Allen, a team in the Cleveland Cavaliers that it's betting on itself to not be bad at any time when those picks convey Uh, In addition to the three picks, which is about what um, Atlanta gave up for DeJounte Murray and one kind of comparable deal from the summer, Atlanta didn't give up any players they really cared about in that deal. The Cavs give up a starter in Lowry Markkinen on their three triple seven foot mega big. By the way, RIP, I guess, to like the Cleveland is bringing big ball back. Cleveland, I guess, RIP to that. Um, and, and Colin Sexton, who I think would have probably been their sixth man this year, but is a, is a good player going to Utah on a four-year, $72 million deal. And uh, their most recent draft pick, which was a high draft pick, a lottery pick. Uh, those are real players to some degree. And yet to Cleveland, they were expendable because of how good that big three is. What do you think of – well, what do you think of just big picture – the Cavs going pretty much all in for a 26-year-old in Donovan Mitchell who fits, I think, is a little older than their core players, but still just entering his prime as a player. I think that's fine. Going all in with the draft with the draft price and the talent price they paid. And what do you think of Utah's return here as they obviously tank toward the bottom, tank their way out of the middle. I suspect Conley will be next. Bogdanovich will be next. Clarkson maybe will be next. And Utah will race into the lottery, which is not just two guys, but, you know, people love the Thompson twins. Like, this is a loaded top five. So Utah is taking themselves out of the middle, going for the top of the lottery. Big picture thoughts, Mr. Marks. Well, I mean, I think you can look at it multiple ways here. I think for Cleveland, you're basically swapping – Markinen for Mitchell to the to the roster that you brought back because Sexton was out last year, didn't play. Obaji was your draft pick. He was still at Kansas here. So you've upgraded your roster, right? You've got you you look at it where 
you've got a three year or three or four year window and probably even more when you look at Mobley who's going to be eventually extension eligible. And that's something I want to talk about with him has a little bit of a nuance here with this, this trade here. Oh, you're always um, bringing the, you're always bringing if, if the, if the Derek rules rule comes up, I'm so <laughs> sick of the Derek rules. I can't do it anymore, Bobby. Oh, I'm going to bring you a full, I'm going to give but, you a full fledge of the designated rookie. And by the way, role. you bring up Mobley and I'm going to interrupt you because I think it's important to say Garland, all-star Jared Allen, all-star Donovan Mitchell, all-star. I think Evan Mobley might be the best player of those three, of those four guys in like two years. I mean, the buzz about what he's doing with his jump shot in the offseason, what that would do for his handle is so exciting that I can barely contain myself. But please, but please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you you add Mitchell with Garland. Um, I think you can certainly, we'll, you know, talk about from a defensive standpoint, but you've got Mobley and, and Allen as your, you know, as your front court there um, that, basically kind of camouflages things here. I think the draft equity from Utah's perspective is that they are back banking on Donovan Mitchell, potentially leaving as a free agent in 2025 when he's got a player option. Um, the pick swaps in 2026 and 2028 um, of having some real good value either to keep or to move in a trade. But for Cleveland, Zach, it looks like, they realize that we're a playing team, right? We're not there with the big boys. We're not there with Milwaukee and Boston and Philly and, um, you know, Brooklyn and, you know, Miami. But we're not there as far as we're not a playing team with this group, but we're not a top four team. Okay. But we can get there. Like we can get there as far as what this current roster is. If we had stayed put, we're probably competing for a playing team, right? We're probably in that six to probably with New York's and the Atlanta's. And I don't know if I want to put, I think Toronto's a little bit closer to probably top, top six here. But Chicago, this, Chicago, Chicago, but this and, I, and, trade, and I think yeah. that the, the East being stronger and more competitive and the taste the Cavs got last year of getting so close, and if we had just stayed healthy down the stretch, maybe we're a playoff team, oh, we lose the play-in. I, I think those things definitely contributed to this. Yeah, I mean, this trade gives us a chance to avoid the play-in. Um, it gives us a chance to compete for a top-five seed, where um, if we probably didn't do anything, um, the likelihood is that who knows what would have happened with Colin Sexton as far as he was still, you know, restricted free agent. We knew where they were at the luxury tax at $13 million um, below. Um, By the way, you know what's interesting? A small Bobby Mark style nugget to this, speaking of Sexton, is yesterday I, I made I, I texted you about this today just to make sure. I made a little alarm bell that yesterday was the deadline to stretch players, to wave and stretch players to decrease your cap hit for this season. And I, I just made note of it because that was one way the Cavs could have opened up a little bit more room under the luxury tax, which they clearly want to avoid and so increase their offer to Sexton. And when that didn't happen, when they didn't wave and stretch anybody and they're sort of stuck at that $13 million under the tax uh, uh, barrier where they are now, I just made a mental, I was like, okay, that's it. If I'm calling Sexton's agents, that's, that's interesting to me because now I know exactly what they're going to offer me. They can't offer me anymore. My hope of that is over. And lo and behold, ba-bam! Yeah, I mean, we saw. I mean, Portland did it earlier in the week with uh, Didi Lozada. They basically went under luxury tax because, and and you could have, um, you could have done that with uh, with Jetty Osman as far as maybe he would have been a guy because he had a non guaranteed year. So you could basically have stretched him out for five years and take like a. You, you would have basically got to twenty million dollars under the luxury tax. So you could have given yourself that that flexibility here. But I just think for. I mean, it's it's interesting. Two two mid market teams in Cleveland and Minnesota, who basically have parlayed unprotected ones. Uh, Cleveland with pick swaps, um, different type of deal because I think the value of the players going back to Utah from Cleveland compared to to Minnesota is better when you look at those three players here. Um, but I do think this Cleveland, you know, they get better. Um, but is it you know better enough to, as I said, to be in the top four? No, but it probably gives them a better it gives them a better chance than they were where they were yesterday. So just like when Gobert got traded and there was all this the these these 
quick tweets about how this doesn't necessarily mean Donovan Mitchell's traded. The Jazz are committed to, to, to retooling around him. Tim McMahon and I immediately called BS on that the day of the podcast. I just don't, it doesn't pass the smell test to me. Similarly, the, uh, I, I, I don't, I just don't think they see Lowry Markinen, for instance, as part of like their core in Utah. If they could flip Lowry Markinen for a first round pick, which they probably can't, I think they would. Sexton, maybe the, he's got a trade restriction now for a while. Yeah. Um, December 15th on him. And, and so, you know, we'll see. But short answer for Utah is they got what they wanted. Now, we can talk about what they passed up on, perhaps from the Knicks and, you know, what that all looked like. But they got unprotected picks. They got unprotected swaps. We'll see how valuable they are. We have seen in the NBA that no matter how well a team looks like they're set up for the next five years, you never know what the hell is going to happen. This is Cleveland. This is not a place that, you know, is the most players are not clamoring to get to Cleveland. It's totally within the realm of possibility that if things go haywire there, somebody gets injured, whatever somebody wants out, who knows? But from Cleveland side, Bobby, I'm just going to unabashedly love this for the Cavs. I love it. Um, I, I mentioned the Cavs during the initial Donovan Mitchell trade frenzy as sort of an under-the-radar team. I had Portland in there, too, that I, that I liked the fit. I, I talked about how the Cavs had sniffed around DeJounte Murray, who we just previously talked about. So they clearly were looking for, look, we may not be able to get a great player in free agency. Trading our picks is going to be our version of free agency. And... I like the fit of Mitchell with Garland, Mobley, and Allen. You mentioned right off the top how Mobley, who again is going to be an absolute stud on both ends of the floor, is already a stud on defense, are well-equipped to cover for the defensive weaknesses of a Garland-Mitchell backcourt. And I actually think two things. Number one, it, it was laid bare down the stretch of last season that the Cavs badly needed a second on-ball creator to, to, to relieve the burden on Garland. They hoped Karis Levert could be that guy. Maybe Levert will have a bounce back this year. Levert's obviously had a brutally tough couple of years medically and whatever. Um, he didn't play well in Cleveland. I think this trade signals his likely departure from the Cavs one way or another. Um, and, and Mitchell gets to be that guy who splits the ball handling duties. By the same token... I talked about Donovan Mitchell with Tim McMahon, and I said, "What, what is he like? I, I don't think he's made an All NBA team, right?" No, he hasn't. He's made. Uh, you know, let's just double check here. Um, double he, check. I don't care. Yeah, I, he hasn't. I'll go. He hasn't. I yeah, know he hasn't. Um, I mean, I think. I mean, I think for me, Mitchell, I think he's a borderline top twenty player. That's that's right. I, that's he, pro- he's that's something fair. like he's something like the eighteenth to twenty fourth yeah. best player in the NBA, and I said. I remember saying, that's a really good player. That's a great player. And I, and I think he's still getting better. Two seasons ago, I thought he belonged in the most improved player conversation because I thought his playmaking had made a little bit of a leap. That kind of stagnated last year. Obviously, his defense, particularly in the Mavericks series, you just have to hope that was a wake-up call for him because that was, frankly, embarrassing for a player of his caliber with a 6'9 wingspan to get lit up like a Christmas tree over and over like that. And I remember saying, Donovan Mitchell's a great player, blah, blah, blah. He also is like the ninth or 10th best version of number one option on-ball creator. And and if you have the ninth best Luka Doncic or the ninth best LeBron James, like what, what are you really, where are you really going as a team? Well, now you mitigate that issue by combining Garland and Mitchell into like a super one-man on-ball creator. They can split duties. Mitchell historically has taken like not quite twice as many, but many more pull-up threes than catch-and-shoot threes. That should change. That should even out. He shot 43% on catch-and-shoot threes two seasons ago. He's capable of playing off the ball. They can stagger minutes. I think this fit is really good. I'm really excited for this team. I don't mind the pick. I mean, the pick outlay, it's it's going to sound hypocritical because I thought the, the Hawks gave up too much for DeJounte Murray. And so why am I praising the Cavs for giving up three unprotected picks and two unprotected swaps for Donovan Mitchell? And, and I think it's because, A, Mitchell's better. And I love DeJounte Murray, but I think Mitchell's better. And, B, I just think the, the, the Cavs have three legit building blocks, three guys you look at as, I know they're going to be, if all things go well health-wise, really good players 
on my team for the next five years, improving throughout the duration of those five years because of their age. And I look at the Hawks and, I, and I'm like, they have, in terms of guys who fit that description, they have Trey Young. And a Kongu who I really like, but is is a little bit unproven. I, I think he's going to be a really good player. He's proven a lot to me, but we'll see how he fares in bigger minutes. John Collins is like perpetually on the trade block. I just this feels like a more stable situation. And and to get to the Knicks, I think that's exactly why the Knicks in the end didn't pay the Piper to the degree that the Cavs did because they just don't have as ready made of a roster to win with Donovan Mitchell making their risk on those draft picks higher than it is for Cleveland. Well, I mean, like circling back to, to, to Atlanta, uh, Atlanta a little bit here. And, and as when you talk about the, the picks and everything, I think why I like this deal a little bit better for Cleveland than in for, for Atlanta in with Atlanta, with, with Deontay Murray, like you basically have boxed yourself in a corner because of his contract is so good. It's so team friendly that you're basically, you're not going to be able to extend him because of the value. And you're basically going to have to pay him right when he, if he plays it out and he plays at a good level, like you're, pre, you're paying him premium money in two years from now when he's an unrestricted free agent. Like that's the reality for Mitchell. You have them at least for three years, right? So you have for three years. It's a years, big deal. Three yeah, years. We, three, we see these guys get traded and they're like immediately flight risks. That's not the case here. He turns 26 um, at the next week, uh, September 7th, right? So, I mean, that's, I mean, because you already owed um, uh, Indiana at first in 23, like I'm sure it would have been 23, 25, and 27 maybe, right? But because of how the picks are going out here, like it would, there was always going to be a risk that that player you acquired was not, could not, maybe not be on your roster when they come to fruition here, right? So now it's your job as an organization to make it appealing for Donovan Mitchell for when he becomes a free agent. Like it's not like he's going to a team where he has to do all the heavy lifting, right? Like you have Garland, you've had, you have Mobley, you have Allen, you've got Lavert still. We'll see what happens with him. You still have a coral. You Dean went Wade, and- baby. You Don't do- forget yes. Dean Wade for all yeah. your accounting needs. <laughs> Dean Wade for all your accounting needs. Dean Wade. And remember, you're getting you'll get Rubio back eventually, right? From that, you got Neto, you got Lopez. I mean, you've you, Kevin Love's still there, so you still have like, you know, there's not like you. To- it was a total gut job, just because you know, as I said, like Sexton was a restricted free agent; he wasn't on their contract. Who knows how? Who knows how he was going to kind of play into things. Well, it does open up a hole at the three. I mean, we know four of their starters. The the three, which was in last year, nominally becomes a little bit of a mystery. I, I think Levert, it, it, not enough shooting, not enough defense, not enough size to play that position ideally. A lot of pressure on Okoro, who has played a lot of three, I think is better as a two size-wise. And, and I, I remember talking to Chris Fedor right before I left on vacation, had the most wide-open threes in the NBA last year, the most consistently in terms of distance from distance, the defender is from him wide open threes and just doesn't make enough of them. So we'll see. It, it does make enough of them specifically to play with two bigs like mobile and Allen. So that's a little bit of, of a worry spot, but you know, between, I, I think Osman may end up being, you know, the, the least of all evils there as a starter, but we'll see. I think this is a really good team and I don't know where they fit in the East this year, I think Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, in terms of regular season wins, because I, with Philly, I have some questions about what happens after that. I think that's a clear top three. And Brooklyn, I just, I'm, I'm so, they should change their name to the Brooklyn on papers. Because just every <laughs> single time you're asked a question about them or, or, they're talked about on a podcast or whatever. It's like, on paper, they're a great team. On paper, well, like on paper, a lot of things could be true. I could draw myself on paper <laughs> looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger and be like, on paper, this is what I look like. I am so tired. The Nets are out of that tier until they show me they can be, I know this is a novel concept, Bobby, a basketball team of basketball players who play basketball on a basketball court. On paper, they fit really well. On paper, they're championship contenders. Yo, cool. Kyrie didn't play last year. 
That should should not be the case this year. I expect him to play 60-plus games if he's healthy. Kevin Durant just asked the coach, the owner to fire the coach and the GM and then was like, I agree to stay. By the way, I have a four-year contract. Ben Simmons had back surgery, hasn't played in a 1,000 years, and the last time we saw him play was passing up dunks. I'm out. They're out. They're out of the first tier until proven otherwise. After that, I think Cleveland's right there. I think Miami is at some risk of a fallback this year, but they always prove me wrong, so who the hell knows? Toronto's right there. I think I think Cleveland is giving itself a puncher's chance to, if things go really right for them and really wrong for somebody, they could have a shot at the four seed. I don't think that's crazy. No, it's not at all. I mean, going back to your on paper thing, I, I, I've used on paper for Brooklyn so much this year that I was talking about the Patrick Beverly trade with someone like a week ago, and I said, like, yeah, on paper, like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, you didn't need to say that, but it's so programmed in your brain. Like, Dunder Mifflin should be the sponsor of the Nets this year because on paper, they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, so they are probably, they're the wild card. And, um, but yeah, as you mentioned, the three teams, Boston, Philly, um, Milwaukee, I think, I think probably uh, Cleveland is probably there with Toronto. Um, I certainly, I think where the Raptors are with that group. Um, so, and as I said earlier, like you gave yourself a chance compared to where you, to where this roster was yesterday. You just don't get players like this in free agency into a market like Cleveland. Dan Gilbert has become one of the, I don't know, four or five richest owners in the NBA. I think this deal, you don't make this deal if you think, well, eventually we're going to have to get rid of one of these four guys because of tax reasons. You just don't do it. You don't give up this draft equity unless your owner has said, hey, look, I'll pay the tax to keep those four dudes together for winning. And by the way, the new TV deal kicks in midway through Garland's deal. And I think for year one of Allen's deal, so they get some at least early relief where the cap will start to go up a little bit more. I mean, it already went up the maximum. It can go up this year. So with those deals locked in, and Mitchell locked in for 24, 25. I mean, they, they, it's not a disaster tax-wise, but I don't even think it matters. I don't think they make this deal unless Dan Gilbert says, I'll pay the tax if the team's winning. And that leads me into the designated rookie oh, God. extension rule. Okay, Bobby, go. Fine. I, my, I hate uh, – well, well, okay. Do, please do it because it's relevant, and, and I can it, see it where is. you're going. I, I, did, I, I didn't it think is. of it who, until you brought it up. Be, but Who knows where we are in 2024, right? But for – but for now, because Darius Garland signed a five-year rookie extension and because you acquired Donovan Mitchell in a trade, you now have two players under that label. And how does that affect the Cleveland Cavaliers? Well, in the 2024 offseason, when Evan Mobley is extension eligible, you are not allowed to sign him to a five-year rookie max extension. You can sign him to a four-year or you can just wait and do what New Orleans did with Brandon Ingram. You wait till he becomes a, he have a handshake agreement. He becomes a restricted free agent in 2025. And then you sign him to that five-year deal. But as I said, we, can I shake knows? his hand today? Can I make the handshake <laughs> deal right now? Can I put a hundred dollar bill in my hand to grease the palms a little bit and make the deal? Now, is that a violation of the CBA? Can I start lobbying if I'm Dan Gilbert for a change in the CBA between now and then that will allow me to sign Evan Mobley to a 10 year, $1 billion contract? Cause I'd like to do that. You know, what will probably happen in 2024. You have you watched, did you watch the movie draft day with Kevin Costner? Yeah, the worst GM of all time. Why are we heroicizing that guy? He trades a million <laughs> picks to move down and pick the guy he could to so move up Co and pick the guy so he could have just picked. Well, we'll probably have he stinks. <laughs> well, what will probably happen in 2024 is that Kobe Altman will move Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks for the three picks he traded to Utah, and he'll be able to sign Evan Mobley to that max extension, and all is good in the world. Well, look, we talked about that. You're joking, but we talked about this before, or at least I have. I wrote a piece a couple last month about why are all these teams so bold now trading buckets of unprotected picks well into the future when that was a no-no for so long. And I do think part of it is – I don't think this applies to Cleveland. I think they're just thrilled to add a talent to this talented core. I think part of it is is the idea that, well, if everyone is doing this, if goes wrong on our end, 
we'll just do the reverse of the transaction we just did and get our picks back and no harm, no foul. We tried. Our fans are happy. We tried. If, you know, deal X goes bust, it doesn't matter. I love this for Cleveland. I agree with you, by the way, with with Rubio back healthy midway through the year, whenever it is. Neto is a good stop stopgap. I like Osman as a bench guy. They do have a question at the three. Love was what third and six, second or third and six man of the year voting last year. I think they're a good team. And and to your point, I don't really care if they're not in the top three tier of the East next season. That's not the point of this trade. The point of this trade is to be really good for a long time. Milwaukee around Giannis is is kind of aging and, uh, and not uncertain. They're going to be awesome for the next two or three years. You know, Boston's got two young stars. Philly, Harden will start to age at some point. We'll see how good Maxi is. I mean, the point is to just be in the conversation for a long time as teams age out. Other teams obviously will age in with Cleveland. I, I just, I like their four-man core. I love that they're going for it. It's, it's a really fun team and I can't wait to watch them. And I like, I think it's a good trade for Utah. I think they got what they wanted. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, as we it's you you parlay you know basically Mitchell and Gobert and, and you got you got six unprotected ones and a lightly protected seventh pick. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, Birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons. Watch out for them. You name it. They won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Let's talk about the Knicks. Okay. Should we talk about the Knicks? Let's go. The Knicks went through a lot of rigmarole at the draft to acquire yet more picks from yet more teams with yet more protections, solely designed to make a trade like this. They did not make the trade. It has been reported that they offered R.J. Barrett in various constructions with Utah. Then they pulled the plug and extended R.J. Barrett to a deal I like. I'm higher on R.J. Barrett than consensus. I think R.J. Barrett's a good player. I don't care that he's not going to be a number one superstar or whatever. I think he's a good complimentary player. This is what you pay for good complimentary young players who get better and better, play both ends, blah, blah, blah. It has been reported widely that New York's offers maxed out at two unprotected Knicks picks. That the sticking point for Utah was... Boy, we would love to bet against you, Knicks. You have been the kazoos for so long. We would love to bet against you and your slouchy owner. We would love to bet on your failure. We want three or even four unprotected first-round picks. When this deal happened today, I started to get some intel from a few different places saying, hey, double-check that because I don't think it's like a done deal that the Knicks did not offer, at least at some point, Three unprotected first. So I started calling around, like, did the Knicks offer three unprotected? Blah, blah, blah. Trying to get people on the phone. You know, these teams have just made a trade. It's hard to get people. Woj writes, and I'm going to quote from Woj's story. New York had the asset package that Utah preferred, and the side seemed to be inching, inching closer to a trade on Sunday night into Monday. But New York balked on including Quentin Grimes into a trade with R.J. Barrett, sources said. When guard Emmanuel quickly was proposed as a replacement for Grimes in the trade. 
which I read and you read as in the trade with Barrett, Utah wanted three unprotected first-round draft picks, but New York would only do the third first-round pick with top five protections. That's close to three unprotected picks. So I'm reading that right, and I think I am. That's Barrett quickly, two unprotected first. Swaps, I think, were in there the whole time unprotected. A top five protected pick, and maybe a one of the other extra picks they have. That didn't get it done. What is unanswered there is, and I think at some point this must have been discussed internally, externally somewhere. I think you think it was at some point too. You can elaborate in a second. Is what if we take Barrett out of there and just have quickly plus, you know, Fournier plus maybe another young player who is apparently not Quentin Grimes, who is, I don't know when Quentin Grimes became the new, you know, Roddy Bois, who's completely untouchable, but I like Quentin Grimes fine. Um, I'm... is it possible, and I think it was, that the Knicks did put three unprotected first-round picks on the table in an offer like that with no Barrett, no Grimes, and and I, I don't know if or when that happened, but I've heard enough competing intel that I'm not – at least I'm not convinced it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean I think uh, I think the Fournier piece – is interesting because like how do you equate him to like basically like you would want another pick to take back his contract right like that was the whole thing like my understanding when we look back on it is that if there was going to be a deal getting done there was going to be a third team involved and Fournier was going to go to that team and a pick was going to have to go with him right like to take on what was left of left uh, left of his contract here so Um, And then the Barrett piece was that Barrett eventually was not going to be signed to an extension, but he was going to be flipped down the road for maybe one or two first round picks. Like it was by Utah, by By Utah. Utah. Yeah. By a pick accumulation where there, there wasn't like, it wasn't like Utah had been like, there was a comfort level. Like they were going to extend him that he was eventually going to be flipped before October, the, uh, the October 17th deadline for rookie extension for at least one, potentially two more first round picks. So you could have, at the end of the day, the deal could have netted Utah four or five first round picks for Donovan Mitchell, right? So it was strictly a pick asset um, type deal here. And there was different layers, whether it would be, whether if it was Grimes or if weather was quickly and basically like the more you added, the more value, the less, whether it be the protection of the pick or the less picks were included in the deal. So to be clear, what's your intel on the three unprotected firsts thing? The, my intel is that if, if quickly instead of Grimes was part of the deal, then three were going to Utah without Barrett, without Without, Barrett. No, I'm understanding with, with Barrett. Gotcha. Because gotcha. in Woj's article, there's a note in there that it says that w- once the extension was reached with Barrett, like their like communication basically had ended between the two sides. The two sides never kind of reconvened as far as what that what that deal. And I think from the York's perspective, you're saying, well, we're going to include quickly in the deal, and it's going to be two unprotected ones, and then on the third one, we're going to do we're going to do you know top five protected there. Either way. And, and who knows what happens if it's just quickly, if that's where a third unprotected pick comes in is quickly without Grimes or Barrett with some salary filler. I, either way, this is a little bit of a mess. Um, it's a, it's a little bit confusing. I think, I think, I think the trade talks were complicated, which happens when you go back and forth for two months, you know, they, they people, it, it just gets complicated. And you know where, you know why of- it's comp, you know why it was complicated, Zach, because New York had too much. They had too much as far as draft compensation here. And you're thinking like, well, wait a minute. Why too much? Like Cleveland basically had, this is, this is what we have, right? We only have three first round picks to trade, right? That This is it. That's all we have. New York had eight with first players round, with players. Yeah. New York had eight first round picks to include in the deal Four of their own Dallas, Detroit, um, that Milwaukee one, and then the, the wizards first here where it was basically like, and Utah knew that, right? Like, like, you know, we want four, we want five. And I think when you have so much and you're trying to hold on to 
some for another deal down the road, including maybe a players down the road here. Um, I think that's kind of where it hurts you. I think it's also interesting that for, for Leon Rose, who was Carmel Anthony's agent in, in, you know, for a long time was part of that deal in 2011, Anthony going from Denver to New York and saw the ramifications of how much was given to get Anthony there and what was left of that roster here, where he's thinking like, I don't want to be in that position. I don't want to be in a position where it's all, it's all gone, right? It's all gutted here where I need something. I need, I need Obi Toppin left. I need Emmanuel cookie. I need Quentin Grimes for another deal down the road here. Let me be clear. I don't know exactly what New York offered and when and how many picks and in conjunction with what players. I don't really think I, I, I don't I don't know that I could even know that even if I devoted my entire life 24 seven to figuring it out. There may be only a few people who know that and they may have been conf- lost that offer may be lost in translation somewhere. All I'm saying is I, I am not I'm a little cloudy or not 100 percent certain that at some point there wasn't an offer that included three unprotected Knicks picks. Now, the offer may have included so little present day or future on-court talent as to have been a non-starter. And either way, the Knicks appear to have overestimated their leverage, underestimated Utah's willingness to do a deal with somebody else, overvalued their protected picks from other teams, overvalued their own young players who I guess other than Grimes Utah doesn't really seem to have loved all that much and Barrett obviously too and come away here without Donovan Mitchell and yet as much as everybody wants to clown the Knicks it hurts like it hurts it hurts to not get Donovan Mitchell after all this hype and all this build up it, it hurts to have been kind of sideswiped by another team in your conference. And, and, and at the same time, because they don't have the infrastructure that the Cavs have, I can't be that mad at it as just a neutral observer of the Knicks. And again, everybody likes to clown the Knicks. The general assumption is the Knicks are always wrong. I think that's been unfair a lot in the last, in the last couple of years. To me, this is like, how good does Donovan Mitchell make us if we trade all these picks for him and we don't get another guy in the next two years. And then something else goes wrong. And all of a sudden those picks that we've traded unprotected picks of our own become super valuable. And, and we, and we all, we just live to fight another day. Like, let's see how the team looks this year. I don't love their team. I think they're okay. Um, and, and maybe they just looked at Donovan Mitchell and said, he's the 22nd best player in the NBA. We think this is too much. TBD. I mean, this is what happens when you get your fans into like a frothy excitement about what's going to happen. I, I, I don't, I don't hate the Knicks drawing a line in the sand, even if it was a confusing, blurry line in the sand and just saying, you know what, too rich for a blood. I, I, I get why it hurts. It does hurt. It would have been exciting to have a, a young star who wants to be there, who's from the area, who gives you some direction. The direction to me is just less clear than the direction in Cleveland, and so. You live to fight another day, and it's it's just I I I'm not as mad at it as other people are. Yeah, I mean I hey, if this was um, Jason Tatum, one of these other players, right? Then I would be like, what are you doing? All right, you just give up, just do do whatever you got to do to go out and get them. And but it comes back to our what we talked about earlier, like what do you look? What do you see Donovan Mitchell as? Twentieth best player in the NBA? Now, now I will say. His skill set, what he's really good at, which is I can get buckets and get in the lane whenever I want and shoot pull-up threes, is the hardest skill set to find in the NBA. Would you like it to come with better passing and more willing passing? Sure. It hasn't yet in fits and starts. It has, but not in totality. It's still a really hard skill set to find as evidenced by the fact that, yeah, he's been up and down in the postseason, but he's had some capital S superstar games in the playoffs against Oklahoma City, most famously against Denver. And like that guy, not that he's going to score 40 every game like he did against the Nuggets in that crazy bubble series, but that guy, that's a top better than 20 player if he can dial in a little bit more on defense and all that. Like he's done some special things that make you say, I'd be comfortable betting on him. I just, 
I can't be furious about it if I if I'm a Knicks fan. I just I just can't. And there there is some scenarios, there is some universe, like you said, where they actually dodged a bullet is too strong. A, a number of sources have used that terminology. With yeah, me, I don't I know that's too strong. I, I, Donovan, yeah, Donovan Mitchell is re- really good, but d- dodged a downside that is perhaps been overlooked amid the frenzy of excitement at the potential of New York acquiring a star player. Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 buildup just be, because he's a New York kid who wanted to be there, who was under contract for another four years, and the likelihood is that he was going to be there longer on another contract like that's the reality of it and i think i think certainly the if a mitchell trade would have happened i think the concerns would have been certainly the size of that backcourt i think that's certainly you know with brunson and now mitchell and i just don't am i wrong that i just don't care about that if i'm the knicks i don't care about that i can't jalen brunson is really good i love jalen brunson a pivoty crafty fire hydrant of a player tough as nails Competes like all hell. Proved himself in the playoffs. I just can't. It's I. I can't let. I don't know. Maybe I'm just dumb. I. I can't look at that and be like, well, that backcourt's too small for us to really go all in on Donovan Mitchell. You're either all in on Donovan Mitchell, or you're not. And if you are, you figure that stuff out later. To me, anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, it's certainly a valid point. I mean, I just. I think it's. I think it's certainly the remove the size. Of, you know, part of it here. But I just think for. I think for New York that. They didn't want to leave, you know, what they had as far as their assets kind of in that in that bare stage where this is kind of who they are, right? This is who they are. Mitchell, Brunson, Randall, um, and, you know, I guess whatever is left, uh, Robinson. Robinson. Is, which is still, I mean, like, it's an intriguing team, but I think it's different than where Cleveland is. Like, as I said, Cleveland gives you a chance, right? Chance to compete. I don't think they would have. I don't think it would have moved the needle to get to Milwaukee and Boston level here, um, but it would have been a start, right? I think they would probably would have been better than kind of where they are right now. <sighs> just it just uh, it's tough to be a Knicks fan. I will say, not surprisingly, Bobby, the Knicks, whatever who I don't know, remember who showed up other than World Wide West at that Mavs Jazz game. That did not go over well with with Utah officials. That that was poorly received, and I'm not saying it colored the trade negotiations here because I don't think anybody makes those kind of emotional decisions three months later. It did not engender goodwill um, as this as this unfolded. Um, now, I've never seen it happen ne- before. I've never seen that happen before. I mean, where executives people, roll up for a playoff game. I've never seen that happen before. People in Utah were furious. F- I mean, furious. I I don't really think it matters in the end. They just did the deal they wanted to do. Yeah. And they get they get what they get. Uh, any other thoughts on Cavs and Jazz parts of this? Well, I mean, I just think for Utah, it's kind of going to be what there's going to be something next, right? Like that's going to fire be sale time. It's yeah, full on. I mean, it's that, full on fire sale time. Yeah, I mean, with uh, with Con with Conley and Boyan, and we'll see what happens with Clarkson. I'm sure Rudy Gay would be part of any deal just because he's like he don't fit at all. I mean, he's got two years left on his contract. Boyan's on expiring. Mike's got a, a partial guarantee for next year. It's Jordan not, Clarkson. People wave away the Conley partial guarantee for 23 24 it's 14 million dollars yeah. like it's yeah. not it's like not it's free. one of those like 1 million dollar <laughs> right. guarantees it's a big it's a it's a big amount yeah yeah um and you know and then uh, clarkson's got a um jordan clarkson's got a player option and malik beasley's got a team option so i think every one of those guys is certainly is going to be in play here as far as you know kind of that next deal Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? Full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, 
Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's talk about the Lakers. Sure. Eric Pincus wrote this piece for Bleacher Report, I think couple days ago i think you've mentioned it too that the lakers with russ having acquired pat beverly russ antagonist du jour russ antagonist we're a decade of pat beverly russ antagonism dating to the knee injury in the oklahoma city houston series all those years ago that the lakers were positioned to facilitate this utah new york theoretical trade by sending russ to utah with a pick just say, it's just an A pick. Let's just be, they have the two picks. We all know that these are the two most famous Lakers picks since the one they traded for Steve Nash. Just well, I'm so happy. I'm these. sorry. I'm so happy that I don't have to talk that Talon Horton Tucker got traded because I was so embedded saying Talon Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, and a Laker in a Laker first as far as what you can bring back in value here. So we don't have to worry yeah, about the, that. Yeah, these anymore. are the two most famous distant first round picks in recent NBA history 2027 and 2028. In my sleep, I see the, the numbers 2029 Lakers pick. Um, uh, that they let's say one of those Russ goes to Utah. Utah buys him out, and then who signs Russ? That's a topic for another day. Uh, and the Lakers get like a Bogdanovich and a Fournier or whatever to round out their team. Well, that is off the table, obviously. But there's nothing to there's nothing but what Danny Ainge demands might be to stop the Lakers from trying to just straight up trade Russ to Utah for Bogdanovich and Conley. Um, does that? Does that take both, both twenty twenty seven and twenty twenty nine first round picks? And since I texted you about this yesterday, I want yeah. you to explain to the people because I keep seeing well they could lottery protect the twenty twenty nine pick. And this they can't. There no, are man. severe <laughs> restrictions on how they can protect the picks because the, the the league does not allow you to trade a pick seven years away. It's more than seven years away. So explain that too. And and do you think it takes? Do you think Danny's just like I need both picks? That's it. If you if you're not willing to save both picks, you're not getting those guys. Well, I mean, I think a couple of things here. Right, first, Utah's one point seven million under the tax right now. They're hard capped because of the Colin Sexton signing trade. So they're let's say $8 million under the hard cap. There's no, and you you don't go over the tax. No, you're you're not, you're you're not tanking. You're You're not going. That's, that's a, that's called just dumb. Yeah. So you have, so basically Conley at 23, let's say Boyan at 20, 19, five, and then Rudy Gay, um, six, one, right. So that gets you to, to Russell Westbrook's number here as far as to, and, and stay under, the salary cap, you don't. Have to, I mean, under the luxury tax, under the hard cap, you don't have to worry about it. As far as the picks, no, there's a seven-year window here. Like once, if you protect 2029, and it's not conveyed, it just ends. Like it's just over. Like usually, what happens is, I think, I think Minnesota has that in their in the trade with the um, in the Gobert trade where it's it's protected in 2029, and then it conveys into a 2029 second. In immediate second, yeah. immediate. It's not one of the things that well, I have hope to get it yeah. next year if I'm the team that has that pick. Now, you can do things like top one protected sure. so that it's very, 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 very likely you get it and it can still be two, three, four. But teams don't – we've seen like the number one pick change hands in a forgettable trade. Like the Mo Williams trade is how Kyrie Irving ends up in Cleveland. Like that's – so I, I that's – it's harder to do than – then um, it's hard to protect these picks. It's just not allowed, really, in in the way that a lot of people are talking about it. Yeah, I mean, how it's allowed is basically, and we texted about this, is that you protect it for that year, 
right? So if it's 2027, you put top three lottery protect, top three protected, and then it turns into a 2027 and 2028 second, right? It just ends. There's no, there's no rollover effect here. And you do that the same in 2029 where you're protected top two and it turns into 2029 second. So that's the way you can get about kind of protecting yourself a little bit if you don't feel like both these players are worth the true value of unprotected ones. The Lakers obviously should have traded both picks for Kyrie Irving. Like, I don't think that was really ever available to them because as we've seen with Brooklyn, they just waited out KD. Nothing happened. And if you're waiting out KD, you're not trading your second best player for a guy who's not going to help your team this year and draft equity. If you're waiting out KD, you're waiting him out to take a shot at it with the Brooklyn on papers. So maybe that deal was never available to the Lakers. They should have, to me, that you offered the both unprotected picks for that because LeBron James is 37 years old. That's a perfect fit, assuming Kyrie plays and all of that, which I think if that deal is happening, they've all clearly had some discussion about do you got play. The rest of these deals, I just don't know if just say Bogdanovich and Conley, throw Gay in, whatever. I don't think that gets me enough. It's it's good. I don't think it gets me enough to contend with the Clippers and the Warriors. Maybe it does if if LeBron is LeBron and AD is healthy and AD. I just I don't know if it's worth two. The one that I thought harder about is the Miles Turner Buddy Heald yeah. one with Indiana. And I don't know if the I like people just assume the Pacers would do that deal. I'm not sure they would. I don't know that Herb Simon has an appetite for like the total absolute teardown. And I I thought real hard, man, because Conley Bogdanovich, let's say, I get the secondary ball handler that I need to have with LeBron. That's a big weakness on the Lakers team right now. It's like I other than Russ, who I'm just sort of dis- discounting for because we're talking about trading him. LeBron's best teams have almost a peer as a ball handler. Well, I get something resembling that in Conley, and I get Bogdanovich, who's a killer shooter, can play both forward positions, blah, blah, blah. I just I don't think I get enough defense. The healed Turner one is interesting to me because I get an all-time great shooter and a center who can shoot and protect the rim and offers me a defensive upside with Davis that is enough to get me into the championship level defense conversation if all things go well. And I'm saying not saying championship level overall, but like that's a defensive ceiling that's interesting to me. But I don't get the ball handler. And so I, I don't I, I don't know that I'm giving up both of those picks, particularly if I am confident my cap space next summer is gonna get me maybe Kyrie Irving or somebody of that caliber. But that's really hard, man. Like you're talking about a 37, 38 year old guy. Like you it's hard to play for next season. But you know, if you put Pat Bev, Buddy Heald, LeBron, AD, Miles Turner, that's a goddamn good team. I maybe I don't have the other ball handler. Maybe Turner and AD is kind of too sludgy in terms of playmaking and speed and 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 whatever, but I, I like that team. That's that's a that's that's a tough one. Well, that's the big thing, right? Is like, is there a deal out there that that carves out that removes cap space in two, in the 2023 offseason that can improve your roster right now? I mean, that's like the million dollar question here. And I think for Miles Turner, it's interesting. Is like we've talked about LeBron and AD are only, the only two players that are going that are on the roster. Um, you know, past next year, those both those guys got those player options, like. All right, Turner's an unrestricted free agent. Expiring. Are, expiring. Are you are you willing to sign him to a long-term deal and have him on the roster past LeBron and AD if those guys aren't here anymore? Like that's healed, like, healed, healed 19 million or whatever, 20 million, whatever it is, is, is the holdup. And if I pay both picks to get those guys, I don't have a vehicle to get off Buddy Healed. And stretching him is not going to open up enough cap space. And... I mean, how much if the Lakers just have Davis and Braun? What's what and just cap holds? What's the, what's the space it's like number? Thirty million, a little bit more. So it's that. Can... So I've heard things like they can just absorb Dame into cap. They can't just absorb no. Dame into no. cap space. This is literally no, not, not possible. No, because you have all those minimum holds for those guys not there. I mean, those two guys and make eighty six million dollars. 
And by the way, I'm not saying I've heard report. Let me be clear. Yeah. I'm just saying I've heard people say like, well, what if a guy like Dame becomes just, no, just because, thin yeah, I mean, air what, speculation? Well, I mean, because, you know, with, with LeBron, there's four players under contract that make 91.6. You add the, the free agent holds or the uh, the minimum holds for the roster spot. I mean, that gets you over 100 caps at 133. I mean, so, yeah, you don't. This is a, you, this is a really hard choice for the Lakers because I, I like the Beverly trade for them. I was away when that trade happened, so I haven't commented on it. I like that. He's a perfect fit for their team, obviously, for all the reasons people have said already. As presently constructed now, a starting five of Pat Bev, Player X, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Player X, and we can argue about who those players are, and the bench left over, That's it's not good enough. They're not good enough. They're not good enough to compete with the two or three best teams of the West. They can compete with them. They're just to win four playoff series. I just don't think that's good enough. Are you willing to go? And that's with Russ. That's with Russ. And but I just kind of revealed like if I'm the Lakers, I bring Russ off the bench now. Like I don't. And if it has consequences, so be it. Beverly's a better fit in the starting five with LeBron and Anthony Davis. I don't want to play the two of them together necessarily. I guess that's possible. I'm bringing him off the bench. Pat Bev's a better fit. I just don't think that team is is quite good enough. Last year, I could at least talk myself into, well, if all things go right, we got three stars. Like, we're going to be in the conversation. You know, Denver is going to have a gap year, and we don't know what the Warriors, how good are they going to be. The Clippers are going to have a gap year. Maybe we're, we're right at the top of the conversation. Am I willing to go into a season with LeBron James, arguably the greatest player of all time, at age 37, knowing I'm not good enough? Are you willing to do that? Because that's what not trading those picks means. And it, and it also means you just think whatever deal you can do with Utah or wherever else doesn't close the good enough gap enough for me to do it. Are you willing to, to do it? And maybe you are. If you're so confident in LeBron's health for another year, LeBron's talent for another year, in your cap space luring someone, maybe you are. Maybe that's okay. I, I think you're willing to do it, Zach, in the month of September. I think it changes when we get to mid-October and when we start playing games and all of a sudden that LeBron is looking at this roster saying like, Oh my God, like, is it going to be another plan? Are we going to miss the playoffs here? Which certainly in this Western conference could happen. I think that's where, that's where the picks now become in play. And that's where they're going to have to, they're going to have a hard decision to make, right? They're going to have a hard decision to make as far as to, risk those two picks for a win now team and then take and 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 then also remove the cap space element for next year like that comes that goes away now bogdanovich conley i'm just not sure i'm not sure turner healed turner healed at first blush i was like i'd do it i would do it i'm putting all my cards on the table i think i can win the title with that team i think i'm a ball handler short I still might do it anyway because it's like if I have LeBron, if I have LeBron, I'm really tempted to just be like, it, I'm doing it. I don't care anymore. I'm doing it. I'm not going to be in charge here in 2028 or 29. Let's just do it. That's a good team. It makes sense on paper. That's a good team, man. It's a good team. Any favorite Bogdanovich destinations? Let's take a couple of the big jazz heavyweights. I mean, Beasley, you can take them anywhere. Clarkson, you can take them anywhere. Their contracts are, eh, you know, whatever. But Bogdanovich is a really good player. Any good, any favorite Bogdanovich places? I mean, he's got a great deal. I mean, almost twenty million and, and expiring, and he's and he's coming off, you know, I mean, what did he shoot? Thirty nine percent from three last year. Um, as far as where he, you know, as where he fits, I just think it's a matter. I think it's, you know, we saw Levert go for um, a, a lottery protected one. I think that's probably where the value of for for Boyan is, even if it's a rental. I think there there are playoff teams that are willing to kind of you know sacrifice that. Um, I'm just looking through here, you know, sacrifice that 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 one. The hard part, Zach, is like there's like five teams that control first round picks. You know, like when you look at Oklahoma City and in um, in Utah and Minnesota and um, uh, New Orleans and Houston, New York, like those teams are the ones who are controlling like the monopoly of ones and everything. There are not many like um, like Toronto still has all their, you know, they've kept the, the powder, you know, it's, it's full. There's full, you know, there there's, there's picks here. I mean, I don't know if I see anything with Bowie on there. Um, you know, they would be, you know, certainly interesting. Tim McMahon and, has mentioned them as a boy on team. I, yeah, I, 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 I get it. I get it. 
don't love it. Don't quite know what they'd give up, but I get I get it. Yeah, I mean, they've, got, first, all those, you know. they've got in, all those in-between contracts, you know, like the Birch, Ken Birch, and, you know, they could trade Thaddeus now because he was an extension. They've got a, um, you know, they've got all their, as we said, they got all their picks, um, you know, um, you know, Trent's on a, uh, got a um, player option for next year. Um, so there's like, there's, there's workable contracts there. The three places that stood out to me, in reverse order of obviousness, were New Orleans, Phoenix, and Miami. Um, just because of holes on the roster in the Heat's case, replacing P.J. Tucker. Now they, they can replace him by committee, they think. Phoenix is interesting because, um, you know, I just think Phoenix needs a little bit of a jolt in terms of their formula is what it is. It's super successful. Um, I think they need just a little bit more jolt uh, on offense. A, a little, another, another super high volume three point shooter. Another guy who can do some stuff outside of their two guards who do everything. Um, Saric is a little bit of a wild card. People view Saric as a backup five now because of how good he was in that role for Phoenix two seasons ago. I think he could play some four for them this year. Backup four, add an element there. He'll play some. He'll play some of both if he's healthy. And uh, those are my bogey ones. Um, any Conley ones? I think uh, Conley is again that fourteen million is not nothing. Any any good Conley ones? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's you know twenty two seven twenty four three as you mentioned the you know the partial. Um, it's not even, it's, it's probably we could just say half. We don't always say partial. It's you know it's 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 guaranteed forty eight hours after the draft. I mean, so it's not like you can wait until like July two to make a decision, right? That's a that's a late June. Um, you know, late decisions like, but who, you know, who needs, who needs point guards? I mean, point guards in this league are, I mean, every, you look at every roster, it's right. Who needs a $22 million point guard? The wizards. Yeah. Man. They just got Monte Morris and DeLon, Wright. Maybe they're okay with that. You Dallas. Know, I, mean, I mean, they've got, you know, I mean, the, the, they just got lost draft, Brunson. Yeah. I mean, they've got draft capital after that Knicks pick is eventually con- conveyed. Um, don't love it for Dallas. It's fine. No. Everyone wants the theoretical secondary ball handler. Spencer Dinwiddie is that guy. Is Mike Conley yeah. better than Spencer Dinwiddie? Yes, but I mean, Chicago. If Lonzo's knee is, and I don't, I, I don't know what's up with Lonzo's knee. I, I you know, we'll see when he returns. But I, you know, hard to again, get the money. You know, I mean, you're looking the at Chica- like Kobe, Chicago. Yeah. The money's the issue. Yeah, with Chicago. Kobe White, and then how do you get to that? You know, whatever, an eight, seventeen million dollars. That's hard. But they're going to move one way or another. It's fire sale time in Utah, which is – it's fine. I mean, look, we we talked about it a year ago. Like, no team had more at stake last year than the Utah Jazz in the playoffs. They crapped the bed. Dallas tore them apart, and now their team is gone. I mean, they're, the team that they built in the wake of Gordon Hayward leaving, Donovan Mitchell propelled them further than they ever expected to go. Rudy, Rudy Gobert became – a regular all NBA all all-star level player, which I think given his draft position was a surprise. It was a great story. Quinn Snyder. I voted him coach of the year. I don't know if he ever won. I can't remember off the top of my head. Great story. Great offense, beautiful offense, Joe Ingles, all that ran its course and it's over now. And they have so many picks that they're in the thunder bucket of like, I can't get the thunder and the jazz now should have to make a trade where they just exchange like 11 first round picks and no players, or they, I guess they, a player has to be involved, but like just random players, just for the sake. Well, I think of Utah's. Doing it. I think Utah's in the in the in the pole position with draft, just because of the unprotected nature. Where you know certainly there's Clipper ones that are still unprotected from the Paul George trade, but there are some other ones that are you know there's there's Philly in there that's got some protection, so um, which are still good. But I mean, what Utah has been able to do, and I know it's. If you're a jazz fan, it's like a it's a it's a slap in the face of reality where like two years ago you had the best record in the NBA and you, you had a you know you lose to the Clippers in in the, in that second round series without Kawhi. Um, and then what ha- we saw what happened last year in Dallas and how life can change quickly in this league, right? Like it just the clip, the and, Clippers and you series. had just yeah, you had just signed um, Mitchell and Gobert to those extensions in the 2020 offseason. You had them for four or five years and and all that. And it just it just changes so quickly. The Clippers series was the one. And I remember, I mean, I've talked about it as nause, ad nauseum. You could feel it then. 
And that's why last season was so interesting going into it for Utah because you just thought, did it break them? Is is that it? It was such a devastating loss. Yeah, the Conley and Mitchell were banged up and, and all of this. And it's just a series that at the very least you got to get it to game seven in your place, having had the season that you had as the number one seed. They couldn't even do that. And it just felt like such a devastating blow. And, I, and last they t- was it game four against Dallas where Mitchell Gobert Aliyup ends yeah. up winning the game for them and yeah. Gobert says you know what it's just something to like you know we hear all the noise what's the noise now well uh, uh, that was a, a fun moment now you're on the Timberwolves and Donovan Mitchell's on the Cavaliers and one shoe has dropped Donovan Mitchell the other shoe Kevin Durant just hung in midair for a while and didn't drop and we are. Less than a month from training camp, Mr. Marks. Any parting thoughts on any of this? Well, no. Did we I miss mean, anything on the no, Lakers I mean, Durant, or any of this? I, I think, no. I mean, Durant, they renewed their vows. All is good in the world, right? I'm just, I think it's exciting for Cleveland. And I think we talked about teams that are sort of going to age together. There's a chance that we just have like a Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley thing for a really, really long time. And by the way, Detroit, I said this before I went on vacation. I, I like what I, in fact, I met a Pistons fan somewhere on vacation and I said, you got to get back into the Pistons. They're going to be exciting with Cade Cunningham is the yeah. third member of that sort of trifecta. Yeah. I think they gave you a little bit of a blueprint after the all-star break. Right. I mean, um, I think, I think they will be, they compete, right. That's all you I mean. You get Ivy and, and Jalen Dern. And I think I'm, I'm interested in Sadiq Bay this year. Um, you know, without Jeremy Grant, not there. So they'll, they'll be intriguing. Well, Bobby, September 1st. We'll always remember September 1st, 2022. The Knicks did not get Donovan Mitchell. The Cavaliers did. Uh, thank you, as always, for your insight. And of except for the designated rookie player thing. I'm not thanking you for that, even though it was important. Uh, it's always good to see you. I'm sure I will be talking to you soon. Who knows what could happen on September 2nd. Bobby Marks, everybody. Thanks, Zach.